So this morning's reading, just to give a little bit of background before we do the open up, an open up here means, for those of you who have never been here before, or many of you have, just to remind you that I'm going to give a kavanah, an intention, around the words of the Torah this morning, hopefully in some way, in some way those words will be necessary for someone, and if you feel that they are for you, you're invited to come on up for the Aliyah, to just step on up for this morning's uh, blessing of the Torah, and hopefully in that enactment, there's a sense that the Torah is not only being read to you, but it's also being blessing, a blessing you. It's kind of a blessing of what's being read. If you turn to page 538, you can see what we're in the middle of. We're in the middle of the story of the aftermath of the golden calf. And the aftermath of the golden calf, which for those of you, just a quick refresher, children of Israel leave Egypt, miracles, they get to the other side, they quetch. They make their way after quetching to the foot of Mount Sinai. They receive revelation at Mount Sinai. The revelation is overwhelming, powerful, beautiful, blissful, terrorizing, terrible, scary, all of that. In the aftermath of that revelation, it happens in what's called as Parshat Yitro. In the next Parsha, there are a list of things. All kinds of Torah is given. And then we begin, right after Parshat Mishpatim, all those laws, five parshiot that complete and conclude the book of Exodus. The last five parshiot are all dealing with the tabernacle construction in some way, shape, or form. Except, of course, in the midst of those five parshiot, there is the centerpiece known in the chiastic structure of poetry as the C, A, B, C, B, A. Truma tetzaveh kitisa vayakel pekudeh, the last five parshiot. And the centerpiece of any chiastic structure is, of course, different than the A and the B in order to highlight it and to bring relief and some way to see it more clearly. Kitisa is, of course, therefore the centerpiece of the whole tabernacle. So in Kitisa, we have something unlike the tabernacle. We have the Ten Commandments being destroyed or the Ten Utterances that are written onto these stones in the aftermath of the golden calf. The golden calf right? They're fit at the foot of the mountain. Chapter 32 begins, and the people were scared. Moses wasn't coming down. He was tarrying. He was late. And they were like, oh, where's Moses? And instead of saying to themselves, okay, let's, Aaron, you look like yours, brother. Uh, why don't you do it, Aaron? You can be the next Moses. Or turning to Miriam, which would have been great. Say, Miriam, clearly you are the only, it runs in the family. He knows how to sing. You know how to sing. Az Yashir Moshe, Az Yashir Miriam kind of like, they turn to Aaron and they say, um, this man, Moses, lo yadanuma, you know, we don't know what happened to him. Very strange, like, what, what do you think happened to him? He's, he's been gone, it's not the first time he's been gone, he does this, he goes away, and he comes back, like, you know, what's new? And, but they, they then, in, the, in four small verses, in chapter 32, the whole thing unfolds. It completely unravels. They just, de- de- they, they fragment, they, they, they go to pieces. And so they take off their earrings and their nose rings and all the gold that they can gather. And Aaron, of course, is complicit in a very, really weird way. He's kind of like, oh, sure. Just give me all of your gold. Like, he, like he's, the funny thing about Aaron in this story is that, you know, of all the things that he could have said, <laughs> like, so he could have been like, all right, everybody, calm down. He's my brother. I know he's coming back. He's always late. There's a little boy. We waited for him. 
It's like, you know, you could, have, like, you could imagine a lot of vectors the story could have taken. And instead of him saying, like, you know, like, cool heads will prevail, everybody. He's like, okay, thanks for bringing that complaint to me. Here's a good suggestion. Give me all of your gold. <laughs> right? And then he throws it into this mold, whatever that is, and poof, there comes this golden thing. And then, of course, in the aftermath of chapter 32, uh, Moses gets sent down by God. At this, you know, God says dismissively, go, your people have rebelled. And he goes down, he sees them from the middle of the mountain, they're dancing and they're being raucous and there's a great party. And he destroys the, ten, the uh, two tablets and breaks them to the foot of the mountain. Now, in the aftermath of that, of course, Moses will then plead with God to relax and to, to think twice about what he really wants to do. And Moses will avert the tragedy and Moses will create a reproachment between God and the people. There will be reconciliation. There will be a, a, a second chance will be given to them. Um, and then chapter 33, Moses, seemingly out of nowhere, begins to want more closeness with God. Moses has a yearning to be closer to God in some way. He seems to arrive un, unbid. As if in the aftermath of all of this pain and trauma, Moses wants to reestablish an even closer relationship with God, wants to know even more profoundly what God is like, what are your ways, who are you. And so you read here verses, right, the famous verses in the Torah where go, Moses asks to see God's face, and God says, you won't see me, no man can see me and live, which seems to run completely contrary to other verses in the Torah that say that Moses did see God's face, but very beautiful verses. We talked about them last night that Moses is placed in a cleft of the rock, but that's later on chapter 33. Here we are, chapter 33, verse 12. Let's read these together and see where in the story we are and how it might speak to us in this moment in our lives. And Moses spoke to Yudhevavhe. Re'eh, love that. Isn't that great? Moses says to God, you know, see, re'eh. It's great, right? It's like, kind of like the sense of, 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 participate, uh, of, of uh, reciprocity and govainayim. You, first person, like, I mean, second person, like directly. You, Omerilai, say to me, you told me to lift up, to literally take up this nation, meaning bring them to the land. And you, and you have not. <clears throat> made known to me who, whom you're sending with me. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to have someone go with me. You said that way back in an earlier chapter in, in Exodus. And let me add another thing. You said, you would let me know you <clears throat> through your name. Or you would make known to me, right? Single us, you... Uh, you You've singled me out, which is Yedatikha means you have made known by name. You have singled me out, and you said to me that I have found favor in your eyes. <clears throat> and now, Vi'ata, again, but now with an ayin. And now, If indeed I have found favor in your eyes, Moses says, Let me know, I pray. Please, and here he adds the, the plaintive, right? Please, please let me know your ways. 
that I might know you more deeply. The word knowing here is repeated. It's the fourth time in two verses. Knowing. I want to know. I really want to know you. I really want to know your ways. I want to know. I want, let's get to know each other a bit deeper. In order to find more favor in your eyes. And remember, see, after all, this is your nation. We don't know what this means. Verse 14. said, I will go in the lead and will lighten your burden. So God responds and says, I will go in the lead and lighten your burden. Now this is a strange verse. And Moses says to him, Wait a second. It's as if, right, he says, if your face is not going with us, then don't bring us up out of here. How will I then know that you have found favor and I have found favor in your eyes, me and your nation? When you're with us, if you're not with us, then we don't feel like you love us. We will be then separate. We will then know that you have distinguished us, you care about us uniquely, distinctly. Now, this is a very odd conversation. I mean, it, was, it wasn't odd until it was. It was like Moses saying, here's, I want to really know you really well. And then God says, okay, you can know me and I'll go with you. And then Moses says, no, I mean to say is if you don't go with us, you're not, don't take us out of here. And it's as if Moses continued the conversation while God was already giving Moses what he wanted. You ever see that in a movie? Right? The, the way that they, it's, it's almost absurd the way they, they play that out. A person will be saying, now listen, I really have something really crazy to ask you. Unless you give him the person standing there going, I'm going to give it to you. And he's like, no, no, I mean this. I, I really mean it. If you're not giving, no, no, I said to you, I'm going to give it to you. You see that? That the way they spoke past each other? What's happening here? What's happening here in this conversation? For me, for you, for us. He doesn't, he doesn't trust God. Or maybe God, God has not made God self-trustworthy. Let's, let's, let's start again with Moses' yearning. What's Moses want? What does Moses want? Anybody? Wants to know God more deeply. Wants to know God's name. Wants to have a, a deeper rapport, a different rapport. Wants a reaffirmation. Like almost like a, a re-upping of their vows. Right? Like there was a breach in trust. I want to know that I can still trust you. I want to know how you work in the world. Can you show me? Can you tell me? Right? Show me how you work in the world. Give me an insight. Because I'm a little bit lost here. I kind of thought we had a thing and then you wanted to just, and then it just now I'm confused. Yeah, Rachel? Uh, so Rachel's saying something else. Rachel's saying that when Moses says, you said you were going to send somebody, he's actually saying, not, I'm waiting to find out who it is. He's saying, why did you say you were going to send somebody when I'm, aren't I enough? I'm your first child. I was your first prophet. Did you really need someone else? I really need you now to remind me that I'm special. Rabbi Jill? So now Rabbi Jill is going in a different direction, which is equal, it's beautiful. She's saying, hey, Moses was a vulnerable, lim- what, 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 what some people call a limping leader. I, I'm literally a limping leader right now. A limping leader. 
In other words, Moses was never perfect. Moses was always the one who needed support. He was always, it was very obvious that Moses wasn't perfect. So who was the one that supported him and helped him when he needed help? Aaron, his brother. And now Aaron has gone against what, like the trust has also not only been broken between Moses and God, but also Moses and his own brother. And so now Moses comes to God and says, I still need a good, a good team. I need a good team. I need a good staff to help support me because, you know, I'm a little bit lost without my brother. Yeah, Robin. So I, 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 this is where, you know, you went right to the heart of, of, the, of the artichoke. I was going to go there, but at some, which is great. No, but, but, no, really, seriously, Baruch Hashem. So what's, what's really odd about these verses for me has always been, whenever I read them, is that God, Moses asked God for intimacy and for knowing, and then they miss each other. <laughs> Moses is looking out for a particular word or a particular, like a particular, he ha, Moses has something in mind. And when God then comes back to Moses and gives him what he asked for, Moses doesn't hear it. You know, and I've read, that, you know, it's clear that this is, let's, from a pure textual analysis, there's some pastiche happening editorially that where these verses come from somewhere else and they're kind of thrown together and it's kind of a lot of the commentators have a very, very hard time making sense of what happens here, right? Rashi says something, Ramban says, that's ridiculous. Four other people come along and say, this is what it means. There are a lot of different... And the simplest meaning here is the most obvious Occam razor kind of this is what it is, is that we're dealing with a, a kind of broken editorial process where a number of texts from different traditions landed together on some page. But that's a really simple and elegant but really meaningless answer. The most powerful for me, I'm saying, for me the most powerful answer is, is that this is what happens in, in all of our relationships. Like, I want to know you much better, and then you actually show me the way to know me be you better, and I wasn't looking for that way. You said, oh, here's how you can know me better. And like, that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> I want it to be my way. See, my way is this. This is the way knowing happens for me. That's the way I want to know you. And you say, no, no, that's not who I am. I, <laughs> let me tell you how you can know me. I'm, you know, I need intellectual right, stimulation, and you want... And so do you really want to know me? Or do you want me to know you, and then you can know yourself through me? So Moses says, I know that you love me, and you're going to walk, walk with me. That I want to know your name. So only when you walk with me, God says, I'll walk with you. He says, no, 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 Moses, no. What I meant was, you have to walk with me. God says, no, that's what I just said. And, and how long could they go with this, right? It could be like this for a long time. I'm going to go with you and I'm going to give you relief. And Moses says, no, no, no. You have to walk with me because I need relief. I don't have Aaron. And God says, no, that, that's what I said. No, you don't understand me. Forget it. You, you, you don't get what I'm saying. Walk with me. Yeah, I see hands, like yearning hands. Batya.
So there's a compromise that the Shechina says, I'll go with you. And it's, but the most important thing here is the sense of you will go with me and you will support me and be able to hear that. Being able to hear that. And that's the problem I want to highlight here. And, and the, that Moshe is asking for God's support. God says, I'll give it to you. And then Moshe can't hear it. Now, if anybody's ever seen um, A River Runs Through It, right? If you've ever seen that movie, um, one of the most heartbreaking and powerful sentences I think that has ever been penned in any screenplay and appears in that movie, which is, of course, a story of the prodigal son, right? the two characters, the two children of a, of a Presbyterian minister out in, in Montana, and one of them is a successful, you know, just like dad wants him to be, and the other one is nothing like what dad wants him to be, the prodigal son. And of course, the prodigal son, played by Brad Pitt, is the one who needs the most help. But he's also the most stubbornly and ind- stubborn and independent of all of the children. And at the end, in the movie, uh, Robert Redford, who plays the older, who has the voice of the older brother, says um, how sad it is that the ones so often who need the most help have the hardest time receiving it. How sad it is that those who most often need the most help have the hardest time being able to receive it. And it's a profound moment here because Moses is actually vulnerably asking God for support. And God says, I want to give it to you. And then Moses has a hard time hearing it in this reading. He has a hard time receiving that support. He heard it from, from Aaron, but he was burned. And so I, I wanted to call forward for this reading this morning um, this kavanah. Sometimes um, it takes so much courage to be able to ask for support and to say, please don't leave me, or I need your help, I need you to lift me up. And sometimes, even if that takes so much courage, that's only half of the battle. The other half is once it's being offered to receive it. To be able to receive that gift is sometimes the hardest thing that one can do, especially if one is used to being a great leader or, a, or someone who's fiercely independent. And the, the power of these verses of missing is really applicable in almost every context. Being able to find the, the carrier wave in which each of us can meet one another and hear that that which was being asked for is being received. Both of those pieces, asking for it and being able to receive it, are each in their own way difficult and each in their own way come with their own obstacles. I know that there are other voices that wanted to be heard, but I'm sorry. We have to come in for a landing. That's the offering for the open up this morning. So if that spoke to you on any level, the Torah is open right now for you to come forward for an aliyah, to come on up and open the Torah for the first aliyah. Come forward, all of those this morning who are standing with Moshe and with God.